Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. Some of you might recognize that we're going through a systematic uh, curriculum, if you will, here, and exploring um, what it is to be a human being. And we're following the uh, curriculum of the Satipatthana Sutta that Dori mentioned with the very uh, inspiring prologue and promises of liberation. So we start out with the body, so practicing awareness of the body through paying attention to the breath, through paying attention to the body in motion while walking, and then paying attention to the body in all other aspects, so while eating, washing your hands, putting on your shoes, just very simply uh, trying to inhabit the body with awareness. Notice what those sensations are like. And those of you who have been on retreat before know somewhere, uh, somewhat where this is going also, to include uh, more subtle objects of awareness that's part of our human experience. So today we're going to expand to include uh, thoughts and emotions. Although, of course, thoughts and emotions have been occurring since the first moment of the retreat, certainly. And those of you who are familiar with this breath of instructions, um, of course, can... uh, practice as you know how from the very beginning. But it doesn't hurt to uh, pay particular attention to the aspect that's being highlighted in the session, because there's always more to learn, I would say, about uh, each of these dimensions of our human life. And generally speaking, you might say, in the trajectory of retreat, we go from uh, paying attention to specifics as closely as possible. So tuning in with as much connectedness and continuity as we can to experience, to the texture of experience. So very closely feeling each step or the feeling of the wind, the experience of breathing, feeling of pressure, temperature. And then as we experience that with some continuity, what begins to be revealed is some universal characteristics uh, of our experience, of the way that we experience life and reality, which includes that everything is changing, that there's nothing that we can ultimately call our self, you could say, and that trying to grasp onto things that are in constant flux is a recipe for stress and suffering. So on the way there, also, uh, particularly in the um, beginning of the retreat, but ongoing, there will be some visitors that sometimes can be experienced as challenges to meditation. Sleepiness is one of them. We talked about that yesterday. Uh, Restlessness also can be there of the body, of the mind. Disliking what's happening in your experience, wanting something different to be happening, like the peaceful meditation that your neighbor seems to be having. And then doubt. So having a sense of doubt, like, oh, maybe I should be doing something different. And 
maybe this other practice that I learned is better or a different school of meditation or something like that. So with all of these different challenges to meditation, the general instruction is to try to be mindful of it. So try not to get swept up into it. Uh, Try to notice it and see it for what it is, which is an energy pattern that's moving through all of these. One of the other unique aspects of this kind of uh, meditation, besides the feature of mindfulness, is also this quality of investigation. So bringing curiosity to whatever is there in experience. So with all of these, you can be curious about what is this actually like now? What is the physical experience of restlessness? or sleepiness? What does it feel like in the toes? What does it feel like in the belly? How does it change and move through? What's the difference in the feeling of the mind, the heart, and the body? So you can see them as these uh, weather patterns moving through just as it was raining a lot yesterday and then hail and sunshine and not believing that you are that pattern. Just knowing it for what it is and letting it move as it does on its own. So this morning we're going to check in uh, and explore the world of thought. So this is mind objects, the sense field of mind objects. And this is among the harder ones to Uh, get a handle on, one of the more unusual aspects of uh, exploring human experience, to be able to see thought just as thought. So to be interested in the process of thinking in some way, as opposed to the content of thinking. So usually when a thought arises, we are fully engaged with it. We believe it, we believe this is my thought, I am thinking this thought, and we believe in whatever the thought says most of the time. So what I'm inviting you to do is uh, to try to take a step back from that and just to be interested in, like, what is this thinking? You know, that thinking arises, that a thought arises, and then that it's gone. Thoughts can happen in images, they can happen with words, there can be uh, memories, there can be plans. All of time, in fact, is existing in the field of thought. All of the past is just a thought in the present, and all of the future is just a thought in the present. So I want to be interested in just knowing that we are thinking, being aware that we're thinking, and then a next step would be to have some differentiation between different types of thinking. And then later on, there is a step in which there's some discernment about the type of thought in terms of, is it skillful or unskillful? Is it helpful or unhelpful? So start to recognize that as well. But for the first step, we just want to be able to recognize, if we're thinking, to know that we're thinking. Which is kind of like if you're standing by the road to know, is there a car driving by? Is there a vehicle driving by? Before you get into the vehicle and drive on by. Then later you can differentiate, okay, it's a car, it's a truck, it's white, it's blue. It's pulling something. So remembering that this 
area of thinking, this field of thinking, is experienced or can be seen as just a sense, a sense field where sense objects arise. Now, a lot of the times we get duped by thinking. And uh, one of my favorite stories that illustrates this is that there's someone who goes to a cave and they paint a picture of a tiger. And then they look at it and they go, ah, tiger, and they run out of the cave screaming. So what happens in that? Like, where was the tiger? They forgot that they made it up. There was no tiger. So you might recognize this as you sit, where you're sitting here breathing. Nobody's really bugging you, per se, uh, except your own mind, which is painting pictures of tigers and uh, beautiful things to obsess about and worship in front of and you forget or never perceive that they're not real, that they're actually just objects in the field of thought. So we get taken on these rides, ups and downs, a lot of uh, drama and difficulty. So we'll practice this morning uh, just recognizing the field of thought a little bit. And uh, thoughts are much more slippery, quick, subtle objects than a footstep. So don't worry if you miss most of them or a lot of them. Just do your best to be curious and see what there is to see. So it can help to stay anchored in the body as we began the last time. So you can begin by just feeling your posture here. Feeling your connection to the ground, to the cushion, the chair. It's trying to relax. You can take a deep breath in and as you breathe out, just relaxing any muscles in the face or the jaw that might be tense. Another deep breath in. As you exhale, you can relax the shoulders. The next one, you can relax any other muscles inside or out. Seem to be unnecessarily holding. You could just notice that the body is breathing wherever it's easiest to notice that. So just being intimate with the direct experience of that sense of full immersion, connection. So this very simple act of breathing in, breathing out.
So just to play a little bit in this field of thinking, I'm going to suggest that you bring up a particular uh, thought. You can just notice how this thought flashes, arrives, and then disappears. So see if you can uh, remember the image of your shoes that you wore here. So notice how maybe that flashed in your mind and then it's gone. So that was a mind object that was intentionally called up. It's not yours. It's not actually the same as your shoes. It's a thought, it's an image that arose and passed away, just as all thoughts do. Even if you wanted to hold on to it, you couldn't. So next you can bring to mind uh, your address. And that might show up as an image of words or sound of someone speaking the words. Maybe even an image of the place that you live. So either way, this is also a mind object, a thought. And it's already gone again. So in this way, as we practice here this morning, you could imagine that your mind is a screen on which is being projected various different mind objects. So they are often the stories about you, something that happened to you in the past, something that you want to happen in the future. So see if you can just notice them as objects on the screen. You can just keep your attention with the experience of breath. And you don't need to go looking for them. If they show up, they show up. And then you can just be interested and curious to notice them as soon as you can. Just label them as thinking. Or if you want to differentiate further, you could include noticing if it's remembering or if it's planning. And notice how it fades away. Come back again to the breath.
noticing where your attention is. And if it's in the field of thought, just recognizing that. Noticing how that's a different field than the field of the body. As you come back again to rest with the body and the breath, just try to relax again. If there's any tension that's come into the face, the jaw, connect again with the breath.
it helps to be able to notice thinking. You can even imagine that there's the screen in your mind and the thoughts and images are being projected by someone behind you. So they're not yours. You can just be curious what's going to show up, if something's going to show up. And just try to notice that as best you can.
So there's a lot to be uh, learned in investigating the field of thought. See if there's any um, questions you had about something came up or anything that was particularly interesting that happened. Yeah. I'm curious about the difference between So a question about the difference between thought and insight, yeah. Is there any particular example that you have of that, or just broadly speaking? Well, sometimes when I'm sitting in openness, an idea or a thought will drop in, and sometimes it's just thinking, and sometimes it's like a, oh yeah, over. How do I know the difference since they're both generated from the mind? Yeah. So um, both seem to show up in the mind, right? Sometimes the thought, it just seems thinking, and sometimes it seems like, oh yeah, like, oh, there's this, right? I'll say, like, yeah, the, the things that can show up in the sort of content field of thought um, can be many, and sometimes they can be um, interesting sort of psychological insights about one's life or patterning or something like that. Um, the, the kind of insight in the kind of capital I insight meditation are ones about... Uh, the way things work, you know, like the sort of dharma, which includes under, being able to see sort of the way in which we're caught uh, in the process of relating to life in a way that doesn't make sense all the time. So some clarity about impermanence or about actually seeing some way in which we're not the solid, uh, unitary, independent, controlling self that we think we are, you know, or recognizing the things that we've tried to take refuge in sort of don't work in that way. Um, and insight of that sort sometimes shows up in sort of a verbal form, but actually the kind of insight that we're going for is deeper than verbal, you know, it's deeper than words. Because you could have read this stuff over and over, or many of you have been to retreats and you've heard people say them over and over, but it's the kind of uh, recognition that in some way kind of like rewires on a deeper cellular level. So I'd say that insight sometimes shows up verbally in the mind, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, even if sometimes though there is like some insight that comes that's um, clear and helpful, then beware the mind then quickly taking it up as like my insight, and then uh, starting to think about it and um, build an altar to it and like frame it and think about how you're going to tell people about it later and write a book about it and... <laughs> You know, all this stuff, right? So the mind is shameless. We'll both (laughs) think anything and we'll like turn anything into a (laughs) self-oriented kind of project. Uh, So it's good to have a sense of humor about it and kind of take it with a grain of salt, I'd say. Yeah, so a question about thoughts and, and trauma and that if something bad has happened to you then that the, the mind can go into a place of like you know, kind of strategizing or I guess sometimes it can go into sort of reliving that difficulty and then also into kind of strategizing about um, how to avoid something like that or something seems remotely like that and then the mind starts to um, get scared from that and things like that, right? Um, yeah, it's... Um, it's something to notice and to work with um, gently, I'd say. So working with the 
the body, kind of similar, someone asked a question like, oh, if there's actually a physical injury in the body, you know, like if you sit in a certain way that actually causes injury, then, um, you know, it's un- unhelpful. So you can rec- see if you can recognize like when something's happening that seems to be like, okay, the mind is afraid about something and um, there's a way in which I know, like I don't actually have to be afraid about it, but still there's a fear reaction happening, right? Um, so one thing is you can see if you can just hold that all with kindness, you know, with compassion that that's going on. And then also with uh, traumatic reactions, it's better actually not to sort of press on that so to try and um, figure it out or work on it or, you know, like swirl down the hole. So then it can be helpful to kind of open up the field more uh, into something that feels more safe and grounded. So for some people that's opening their eyes or going to a sense of hearing or, um, you know, if you're uh, walking, like walking outside or something like that. So recognizing that's what's happening and sort of creating uh, spaciousness with it, I would say. Yeah, so describing uh, decision making and recognizing sometimes that it's uh, like comes can come from a place that's uh, like you're mushing kind of belly ish, right? Like down deeper and then kind of sometimes bubble up to thought and it feels like it's wisdom. So, how is that? Is that related to thought? Is that not? And um, yeah, in the in in this practice, what we're doing is kind of practicing this like a different way of knowing, which I would say includes that which you're describing. Um, and that includes like being connected to some deeper um, intuition that we have or um, wisdom. And yeah, many people experience that kind of down here more, like in the heart and the belly. And sometimes we say like, oh, my gut reaction is this, right? Or something like that. Or in my heart, I feel this. Um, so it feels like you have a sense of, of recognizing like what's true from that in a different way than when there's a lot of restlessness of thoughts. And if it's like, should I do this? Should I do that? Maybe I'll do that. Uh, no, maybe I should do that. That feels very different than like this coming forth. So uh, it doesn't necessarily happen in the field of thought, I'd say, but then sometimes it bubbles up into the field of thought where it's like, oh, this is the right way to go or this is what's true. Right? So yeah, cousin is a good word then. <laughs> cousin of thought. And uh, many times on, on retreat, people have different decisions or like problems they're trying to figure out and... Um, it's so seductive to be like, oh, look, I have all this time to think about stuff now, you know. I'm just going to sit here and figure it out, right? And uh, I would suggest that um, your time during the meditation is really much better spent exploring this different way of knowing, which then uh, can actually even yield different, more creative and better solutions in the way that you're describing of from this deeper place of knowing than if you sit there and think about it which is like sort of chewing the cut on it in the way that you usually do and have and haven't come to anything new. So, uh, yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, so recognizing the mind as clever pet, he said. And, uh, <laughs> but since it, sometimes it goes maybe quiet for a while, but then comes back. And uh, yeah, very squirmy pet sometimes. And um, actually in the suttas, uh, someplace they describe the mind as like, you know, the monkey mind is a common metaphor. But then they say, oh, it's not just like a monkey, which is actually very clever, right, monkeys. But it's like a drunk monkey. So you find, and it's and it's not just like a drunk monkey. Sometimes it's like a drunk monkey that's stung by hornets. You know. <laughs> so uh, I think your your attitude towards it is very uh, helpful because um, you know a pet is usually something we have some affection for, um, but also like it's not our boss. You know, we're not like do everything that Fido says or something like that, right? Or that the monkey says. So. Um, it's a helpful attitude to relate to the mind a little bit like that, um, with some affection and, yeah, a little humor, but also, like, take it with a grain of salt, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you mentioned that screen, did the thoughts come on to Yeah. Yeah, so on the screen, and there's so many things happening sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's like that. So then then you can drop that sort of trying to be differentiate as much as possible and just recognize, like, thinking or screen, you know, whatever it is, the mix. Um, it takes a, a pretty subtle level of um, collectedness of mind, of concentration, you could say, to be able to, even, even it's possible sometimes to notice the beginning of a thought, like, as it arises, and then see it there and pass away. So... Basically, wherever you notice it is good. So it's just like, blah, okay, that's good, got it, you know. And sometimes there's so many thoughts, so they're very restless, and it feels like, oh, I, c- I can't really differentiate individual ones. So then, so you can expand out your awareness, so it's like as big as this room in some ways, and then feel it just like popcorn and a popcorn popper. I realize I'm switching metaphors now, right? But like, you know, then it's like, okay, just feeling the energy of the movement of that, and without having to stress about trying to individually get every popcorn. But that too is recognizing and noticing sort of the process of it, um, as opposed to being like dragged around by each of them. Yeah, so uh, describing experiencing uh, fantasy, and I talked about thoughts of the past or the present, but what about that? So that also is a, a type of thought, sort of a genre of thought that shows up, that's the uh, fantasy thoughts. And sometimes they're kind of tied to some remembering and then kind of branch out from that or just show up as fantasy. So that too is also just a uh, imagining on the screen, you could say. Uh, for some of them, they're very seductive. And so then you could notice that um, there's a quality of pleasantness about that thought that is a little bit sticky, or a lot sticky, right? And that may be why uh, when that thought comes up, we have the tendency to get really pulled into it, and it's difficult to uh, back out of it. Um, because basically we are enjoying it. Like it's like watching a TV show or a kaleidoscope or uh, something like that. So sometimes then um, noticing the pleasant quality of it um, can help to see it just as um, thought itself, too. And there's a way in which like, we relate to our dreams differently than we relate to our waking thoughts. Right? So like the purple elephant type 
genre of thoughts you're describing, then sometimes you might have a dream that has something kind of psychedelic in it. And when you wake up, you usually think like, oh, there was this, like I had this dream or there was a dream. You kind of mull it over a little while, but you don't take it literally, right? So you both don't identify with the content of that, like I am a purple elephant or I have a purple elephant. It's more like, oh, this thing sort of visited uh, consciousness, visited awareness, and then it's gone. And then you can sort of take from it what seems helpful if there's any understanding, but then you can let it go. So it's actually possible to relate to waking thoughts somewhat in the same way of not um, believing them to be me or mine in some way. Uh, And then just sort of feeling into, like not literally taking them for exactly what they are. If there's something to learn from them, you can learn it, but then let it go. And then further along we'll go to also... um, disidentifying from the screen itself and the observer, but dot, dot, dot. So um, let me pause there to make a a couple comments just about the uh, announcements and about our retreat container. Um, So we're starting to have some meetings in small groups um, today, and you could check the board there as you go out on the left, and about half the people should be in groups today and half the people should be in groups tomorrow. Uh, if you're new to retreat, um, you should be in a group today. Uh, if you're not, you could let us know. Um, the deal with the groups is basically it's an opportunity to check in about uh, meditation practice, how it's going. It's a chance to ask questions um, about the stuff that's happening in your experience. Uh, if there's anything that's challenging to you in the practice, uh, you could talk about that. If there's anything particularly unusual happening, talk about that. Um, you could share what happens in the sitting practice, in the walking practice, um, yeah, and just broadly speaking. Things we don't need to hear, uh, your life story, um, also uh, your meditation resume, because we actually got, you know, you wrote down what it is that you, uh, I mean, people have written in the sheet, so we know like what your experience is and stuff like that. Um, in the group, it's a chance to both um, share your experience and get some help, but also you get to practice listening meditation. So that means that when someone else is speaking, you get to stay in your experience and uh, notice if you have reactions. You like what they're saying, you don't like what they're saying. They remind you of someone you know. All of that you can silently observe. Mindful listening is a very, very excellent skill for uh, taking back to your regular life too. And likewise, if uh, it occurs to you that you have awesome advice to give them, uh, you can also uh, silently observe that in yourself. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, it is not your job to be the teacher today, so you can relax. And uh, (laughs) yeah, but sometimes in the small group, it helps to hear you know other people's questions, and when someone asks a question, that helps you to understand something better, um, too. So that's one reason why we have um, small groups. So please show up to the group that you are listed for. Um, Please show up uh, on time for it, so we can get started. Um, Which means if you have a group that starts right in the beginning of the period. Um, go right there, or if you have to go to the bathroom, you can bow into the front of the bathroom line and take care of that, and then go right to your group. Um, Tara is going to be sitting in on the groups also as part of her um, training, and she'll circulate which groups that she'll sit in with. Also, um, Tara put up a sheet for some um, sign-up interviews uh, for this afternoon, and she'll do that every afternoon. Um, Primarily that's for people who need some extra um, help or uh, opportunity to check in. Um, Probably if you are in a group today, maybe leave those slots for uh, somebody 
who doesn't have a group today. Um, but if you're really having a hard time, then you can uh, also let us know. But hopefully that will get taken care of in the group. Um, reasons not to go and sign up for Tara is because you see empty slots and you feel bad for her. Uh, <laughs> she's totally fine to be there. Uh, or don't sign up so you can talk to her about her biography, fascinating biography. Uh, so yeah, for meditation help, things like that. Right? A few logistical things. So please come on time for the uh, meditation sittings and please stay till the end, like barring some catastrophic health situation. Um, it just helps for the container, for everyone to kind of begin together and then to end together. Uh, and sometimes we're not always aware what our impact as an individual is on the group, but um, just to say it does have an impact on the group if you come late or if you leave early. So um, please come on time and stay till the end. So you could consider it like a boat ride. So you have to be on the boat when it leaves the dock. And then you want to get off the boat once it comes back in to the dock also. Uh, and then a uh, small kind of etiquette thing. So this is um, practice we're doing from the Buddhist tradition. And um, this may be a little more unusual in uh, you know, American culture, but um, usually it's considered uh, a little disrespectful to stick your feet in the direct direction of like the altar or the teachers or someone else. So just to uh, ask if you could avoid doing that. And if you didn't know that, please don't feel bad. You just have learned that now, so it's totally fine. Um, but... There's kind of a little like that in, I guess, American culture. Like if you go to someone's office and if they stick their feet on the desk <laughs> facing you, like you'd feel a little like, what's going on here? Right? So um, thank you for your attention to that also. Oh yeah, and then uh, just a reminder also, if you don't mind waiting until the teachers leave the hall, uh, another etiquette thing before um, vacating, uh, that would be great too. So all just different mindfulness tips in some way for our collective practice. Uh, and yeah, you can be interested in thoughts today, including your own judgments about your meditation practice. Right? So uh, try to take those also with a grain of salt, like I'm doing really badly or uh, this isn't working. So really just you know, yeah, stick with the continuity of it, the sitting, walking, sitting, walking. And um, Temple's going to say a few words about uh, walking too. <clears throat> so when we all sit here in the room together, um, there's this uh, strong sense of the group practice. And uh, we can encounter things because we're sitting together, and if we were by yourself, you might leave early and not want to face something. So there's something very powerful about sitting as a group. And then when we do walking, it really is on each one of us to have that same dedication and discipline because um, it's just you and you could easily talk yourself out of it. Take a break, uh, do an errand, <laughs> if there are errands to do. Um, <clears throat> so it really, uh, it, it's up to each one of us to have that. And the beautiful thing is when you see somebody else putting in that effort, it supports you. So when you put in your own effort to do your own walking practice, not only is it good for you, but it's inspiring for other people to say, wow, okay, that person's really paying attention back and forth, they're putting in their time, I'll also do that. And as you commit, now two people have committed, and then more people have committed, and uh, we have to carry that into the walking practice. And <clears throat> the walking is a really important bridge from what we learn in the hall 
out into everyday life. And so, because most of our lives are not looking like this uh, sitting practice, but you will be walking uh, through your uh, daily life, it's really good to put the time in to develop a relationship to walking practice. For some people, it's not their preference, um, but it's a very important practice to counterbalance and to extend uh, what we do here in the hall. So one of the things I wanted to um, uh, underscore is that um, when you're walking, you don't have the same type of containers when you're sitting. Your eyes aren't closed, so you're taking in a lot more information. And it's an interesting way to learn how to be present when your eyes are open, you're walking, you're making decisions, trying not to bump into somebody. So it's a much more active process and a more active use of the mind than when we're sitting. Um, so it's, it's its own learning of how to be mindful when walking. Um, maybe uh, two things to say also are um, mostly today, uh, to, to be productive in working with thought and then later with emotion, it's, it's important that we keep deepening our relationship to the body. That it actually it will give you a basis to be more mindful of thought if we keep deepening what it's like to actually have one of these bodies as, an ex, as a lived-in experience. So we do that when the sitting when we're sitting, mostly connected to the breath or the anchors of the body, and then taking uh, time to explore thought. But then you'll notice that if you do that, you just kind of get eventually lost in thought because it's also slippery. So we come back, relate to the body. Same when walking. Um, you can explore thought when walking, but really the predominance of your practice will still be um, feeling what it's like as you walk, um, enjoying this, um, bipedal animal body that it knows how to balance and take steps. We're one of the few animals that knows how to do that. So take pride as you walk <laughs> in this human body. But be in it. And then if you notice that there are thoughts that are intriguing and the timing's right, you can stop, investigate the thoughts, or even while you're walking, you can be like, wow, there's a lot going on about the past right now. And I'm walking, feeling my body. There's a lot going on about the future, or I'm having something very insistent right now. So then while walking, you can still explore thoughts, but um, let, let the predominance of your practice still be an embodied practice. And then all through the day today, um, I mentioned this yesterday, and I think we've mentioned it a few times, that the way we develop practice is by steady commitment through the day, not through heroic effort and then taking a huge break. So you might make a commitment to yourself, during the next walking practice, I'm going to endeavor to be with as many conscious steps as possible. So that's sort of the big aspiration. And the way you, you live that is by, the way I live that, um, is by many small commitments. So I'm going to say, okay, there's a leaf. I'm going to see if I can actually feel every step between me and that leaf. A little commitment. And I see, yeah. I'm doing that. Now, because of that commitment, I actually felt three or four steps in a row without my mind wandering. Well, let me just commit for one step. Okay, I'm going to recommit. Next step. This is a very silent internal support. Mostly I'm with my uh, steps, but I'm, I'm bringing up commitment, little light commitment uh, through each step maybe through a whole walking path, see what that's like, see if I can actually feel all 10 steps before I turn around. Can I not lose my practice while I'm turning around? Okay, now that I've turned around, 
I'm going to commit for this length of steps. So practice with this. Little commitments of an entire length or one step at a time or three steps and then lightly recommit. That will allow your mind to become steady through the day, either with the uh, sitting practice or the walking practice. Make these little um, commitments. And then you live into the big, uh, the big aspiration of being present all through the day. And it's won by all these little tiny choices that we make. So enjoy your walking practice. We'll see you all here. Uh, not all of you. We'll see most of you here in the next sit. Um, yeah. Did someone sign up to be a practice leader for the next sitting? Great. Okay. Enjoy your day of practice. <laughs>